I'll continue uh, scripture reading this morning as we prepare for the sermon. I'll be reading Psalm 95 to you. Um, you'll want to pay attention. The second half of Psalm 95 mentions Meribah and Masa, which um, we just heard about is where uh, the Israelites complained to God and Moses struck the water, struck the stone with his staff and water came from the stone. And so that's mentioned in this psalm. So it's important that we have read that story and heard that story as we approach this psalm. Come, let's sing out to the Lord. Let's raise a joyful shout to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout songs of joy to him. The Lord is a great God, the king over all other gods. The earth's depths are in his hands. The mountain heights belong to him. The sea which he made is his, along with the dry ground, which his own hands formed. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hands. If only you would listen to his voice right now. Don't harden your hearts like you did at Meribah, like you did when you were at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and scrutinized me, even though they had already seen my acts. For 40 years, I despised that generation. I said, these people have twisted hearts. They don't know my ways. So in anger, I swore, they will never enter my place of rest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Imagine every single day you wake up, regardless of what the weather is, and you are forced to go outdoors to work and make bricks. And the way the bricks were typically made is they would mix straw and they would mix mud and they would form these bricks and the bricks had to be strong and hard and they, they had to be dried out and they had to be able to build with these bricks. But imagine that we were enslaved and we had to make bricks like that, but we were given no straw. And the bricks still had to be strong. And we had a quota to meet and if we didn't meet the quota, we were beaten. And if our bricks weren't strong, we were beaten. And the days are hot, and day after day, we're making bricks with no straw. And then the weather changes, and it's really cold, and it's desert wind. You know, that dry, cold wind that, that bites. Like, it literally feels like you're being poked with something sharp. That sharp, cold wind, and our fingers are stiff, and they're calloused, and they're dried out from all of the dry mud on them and we can't put enough olive oil on them to keep them from cracking and they're sore and they hurt and it's windy and it's cold and we're making bricks day in and day out with no straw. And then perhaps someone stands up and they're moving one of their bricks and they drop it on their foot and they break their toe and they get punished for dropping a brick and breaking it. Day in, day out, regardless of the weather. And then... A rescuer comes. He looks like them. He talks like them. But he's one of us. 
And he comes and he rescues us. And so then it's running and it's praying and it's fear and it's anxiety. And there's a little bit of hope mixed in. But you can hear the shouts behind us of the Egyptians chasing us across the wilderness. And we're running and we're crying. We're trying to keep up with our kids. And we're praying out. We're crying out to God for help. And then we reach this body of water called the Dead Sea. And, or, I mean, the Red Sea, and we're there at the Red Sea, and we don't know what's going to happen because the waters are supposed to part, and they're not parting. And this guy Moses is saying that the waters will part, but they're not parting. And so we meet up. The, the Midrash tells us that they met up. This We don't know if it's true, but it's a great story. They meet up at the edge of the water, the elders of Israel and Moses, and they're talking and they're complaining and they're telling Moses, you brought us out here just so we could be slaughtered by the sea. You said the waters were part and the waters are not parting. And one of the elder's sons just starts walking out into the water. And he gets to about knee deep and nothing happens. And they're just talking and arguing and going about their business. And he just keeps walking and it gets up to his waist and nothing happens. And they're arguing and they're talking and they're trying to figure out what to do. And you can hear the whips cracking and people shouting. And he walks out and now the water's up to his chest and nothing happens. And they look at him and he just keeps walking until his mouth is covered. And they start yelling for him to come back. They think he's trying to do harm to himself, and the water covers his nose, and nothing happens, and the water gets to his eyes, it parts. Sometimes, God is waiting to see how faithful we will be, how courageous we will be in our faith, before something will happen. So they rush across the water, and I don't know if the water, like, eased out like a beautiful beach or if it was a giant wall of water like in the movies but they're going across this and and imagine the fear you know if the water comes pouring back in you're going to die but you're just trusting you're hoping there's faith this miracle happened so you're just holding on for hope that's all you have is hope and you start going across the water the the land and it's dry and you're able to move quickly And you hear them and you look back and they're coming. And the last moment that a kid gets off of the place where the water would be, it comes crashing in and you have victory. Then there's a pillar of fire at nighttime that leads you across the desert and a pillar of smoke in the daytime that leads you across the desert. And when you get hungry, there's quail. And when you get hungry for something else, there's bread that comes from heaven. And then you get thirsty. And Moses... And water seem to go hand in hand. But this guy can't find it. He can't lead them to the place where water is. And so they get so frustrated and so anxious and so scared. And there's this scarcity mindset that closes in on them, which is dangerous. Anytime we live with the fear of scarcity, of a lack of resources, fear comes in and fear causes people to do bad things to one another. I know that would never happen in our world, but. They start to plot. He can't lead us. He doesn't know what he's doing. You led us out here to die. All of that, you've brought us all the way out here. And all that's going to happen now is we're going to die in the desert. And our bones are going to be picked clean by buzzards. So they start plotting to kill him. 
And he, he still has faith, so he prays to God, God, they're trying, they plot, they're plotting to kill me. What are we going, like, I need help. And God says, take your staff, strike it on a rock, and I'll make water come forth from the rock. So Moses is obedient and does what this loving and generous God tells him to do, and water comes forth. But the people who were living with a scarcity mindset and living with fear and were doubting that God will provide and were doubting the reality of who God was, even after they had seen all of the other crazy things taking place, they were given water. But God said, nobody from this generation will enter into the promised land to find rest. The psalmist is writing about all of the reasons to praise God. The creation that surrounds us this morning on the way to the church. The time change has me screwed up because I love the longer evenings, but I hate that it's dark in the morning when I get up. And I know you all do too, unless you're crazy, Pete. And then some people are, you know. But on the way to church this morning, Elise and I were seeing the sunrise over the Oregon Mountains. And when you see that, I don't know about you, but my mind is drawn directly to the Creator. And in the midst of the chaos in our world, sometimes you just got to have a glimpse to know the sun is still coming up, things are still going to happen, there is still goodness in the world, and there is a real reason to praise God. But, listen to the voice. Don't harden your hearts like our ancestors did when they scrutinized and tested God. We want to be people who not only find rest, but offer rest. See, sometimes what has happened, I think, is that we've made Christianity to be this thing that's about us and about our connection with God and our faith and our salvation, and we forget about other people and the need for them to experience the grace of God that's found in Jesus and the need for them to experience hope and the need for them to experience the God One of God's names is the Lord who provides. Always. And people forget that. And our job, because of our faith, is to do as Jesus did, right? Like, we call ourselves Christians, named after the Christ. And we believe that God came to us in the form of a human being, to show us how generous and loving God is, generous with grace, generous with hope, and generous with all of the things that we could literally need, not want, but need. And then our job is to be incarnational Christians, to go and show that same hope and love and grace and forgiveness and generosity to other people. It's not just about us. Our pride, our faith cannot be private. It has to be public. Because God's love is public. 
we've compacted our faith down into what happens after we die and what we don't want to do. We don't want to sin, so we don't sin. We manage our sin so that we can feel good about the grace that we get from God so that when we die, we can go to heaven. But the reality is, Christianity is a transformation project, not a sin management program. It's about the Spirit of God transforming our hearts and our souls so that we don't have to worry so much about not doing the wrong things because our hearts are not in rebellion to God and we just don't do the wrong things. It's not about not trying, like, oh, I'm not going to steal even though the opportunity is there. It's not that. It's why would I? It's bigger than not doing the wrong things. It's about being transformed and having our minds renewed and our souls restored and finding peace so that we can offer it to other people. Jesus said he came to save the world. And if we will listen and obey, we get to be part of that salvation project. This church, as long as I am the pastor, will have its doors open. Throughout history, Christians have been worshiping God in the midst of plagues and in the midst of all kinds of darkness. Churches still meet because this has to be a place of hope. This has to be a place of normalcy. And so as normal as we can be in our weirdness, we're going to do that. And we're going to do the best we can to protect each other and do some social distancing things and make sure that hands are sanitized when they serve communion. But we have red doors on this church because red doors signify sanctuary. And this is a place where we want people to come and find hope. Until they come and drag me out of this place, I will be here on Sunday mornings preaching. And if you get sick, you should stay home. If you think you might be sick, you should stay home. But I think everybody in the world uses Facebook these days. And so you can follow along with us on Facebook. And like I said, we're going to take communion elements out to everybody anywhere that wants them. So if you know somebody who wants communion elements, let us know. And we're going to take them communion so that they can watch online and take communion with us as we're doing it and still be part of the community. We have to be together in this. We have to be generous. We have to be hope-filled people who share that with others. So if it's just me and Christy, and she's playing piano, and you don't want me singing, but I'll sing anyway, and the two of us are serving each other communion, and you're watching on Facebook and taking communion yourself at home, it's still going to happen. And if it's just Christy, and she's preaching and singing, then, uh, hey, I'm going to be watching online. (laughs) We have to remember, we have this great God who loves us and is generous with God's love and is so much bigger than all of the crazy news. Like, I was pointing toward God this week when the NBA player, I read the article about the NBA player donating, I mean, it was more money than I'll make in a lifetime probably to the people who work in the arena and for the organization that pay him so much who are no longer going to be getting paid. 
oh my gosh, I have no idea if that is a Jesus follower or not, but that's a Jesus thing to do. That's who we are. So if you have a whole bunch of extra toilet paper, you might want to share it with people. I'll trade you a pound of elk meat for two rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) All of y'all non-hunters are like, hmm, maybe I should start doing that. (laughs) Friends, these are good times. They are. These are times where people like us step up and serve. And these are times that remind me of why we are church and why we do what we do and why my heart breaks for a town like Hatch, who has no mainline denominational church there. I'm not trying, I'll never say anything negative about a Christian church and a Christian denomination. But our theology within Methodists and Episcopals and Presbyterians and Lutherans, it's different. There's like a deeper way of understanding grace. And when, when those types of churches are missing from a community, there's something missing. We need the broad spectrum of Christian theology. And it breaks my heart that there's no Methodist church in some of the towns and no Episcopal church or Lutheran church or Presbyterian church. And it breaks my heart that in TRC, Stuart's up there right now doing everything he can to help people understand the grace of God that's found in Jesus Christ and why it's important to know that. It's times like these that remind me of why that type of work and our partnership with churches that are struggling is really vitally important. Because our mission is to point people to that grace that's found in Jesus, plain and simple. And we don't do it for ourselves. We do it in the name of our creator, redeemer, and sustainer.